So we're back with the Pio Fever podcast. Obviously, it's been a little bit since uh, we last posted an episode, um, and I'm extremely excited to get this podcast back going. And we have a phenomenal guest now coming back after this hiatus, Jeff Snyder, not only a Denver legend, but a lacrosse legend, someone that I've looked up to uh, as a player, person. Uh, you're talking four-time world team with Team Canada, 2006 World Game MVP, DU Sports Hall of Fame as of recently. Um, and I'm just excited to chop it up. It's always a good time talking to Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? Okay, good, Trevor. It's still uh, you know, seeing your face. I have a little PTSD from uh, 2018, but it's always a pleasure to, uh, <laughs> to jump on a podcast with you, man. Likewise, I got a lot of respect for you. So happy to, uh, happy to be on here with you. Thanks, man. No, no, that means a lot. You know, it's funny you say that. I was looking at, you know, uh, Coach Brown was telling me about uh, the podcast and we were saying, oh, we got to get Jeff on. I was looking, you know, I was just looking up some stats, looking up some different things on you. They had this picture of us like facing off in 2018, USA versus Canada. And it was pretty intense. It was pretty intense. We were both, oh. we were both snarling a little bit. We were both snarling a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I, looking back on that. Like, I matched up. Uh, I felt that I was matching up better with you over there, and and uh, and Jake Withers was matching up with Greg. And and uh, man, those were battles. Like, it, it, th those games are people really underestimate. Like, you, you look at the face-off in the college game, or you look at the face-off in in uh, you know the 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 pro game, um, and and the majority of that is mostly just momentum swings. But like. In the international game, like every ball is so precious, and and uh, you really get into it, and you just sort of embody yourself in that position. It's it's hard, man. It's real hard. It's it's the hardest. It's the hardest position to play, I think, at that level. Like, you know, we play more than really anybody in, in the tournament, and and when you're playing like Japan or you're playing Australia or you're playing like Germany, and the scores get up there, like it's it's a grind. That that whole week is a grind. Right, hundred percent, man. And and obviously, you have so much experience being there, you know, four times, like that is unbelievable. So, you know, go, kind of going through it. And, and like you said, I can, I can relate, you know, like the face off position, something I always think is funny, you know, you're, you're playing these teams that, you know, traditionally Canada and, and the U S do extremely well against. Um, they just don't have as much lacrosse developed in their countries. And, you know, like score gets high, and these guys, you know, you got the midfield, the old midfielders are just kind of throwing the ball around, you know, not run up the score, but we still got to go out and still get beat up on, you know, like face oh, off. Man. Safe, you know? <laughs> I remember, I remember being in, uh, uh, in Denver in 2014 and we had like an exhibition game against like Scotland and, uh, and I remember being out there and it was like, we were just like getting ready to play, like getting our, getting our, like getting our legs under us. And like that position at that point in time, it's like you, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of at the top of the game in, in the position and you got guys coming out there. I remember walking out onto the field. It's like this exhibition game. I don't want to get like hurt. I don't want to get like beat up too bad. I was the only faceoff guy on the team that year. Cause they were just kind of roll the dice with one. And, uh, and I just come off a knee injury and I was like super like concerned about the position. I remember walking out on the field and there was this guy from Scotland. Like, have you ever seen the movie Troy? When yeah. like, Achille, like Achilles is like late to the party and he comes out and he fights this absolute monster. I remember looking at this guy and like looking up at this like absolutely shaved gorilla who had been like fed steroids for the last 25 years. And I remember looking at the bench and being like, are you kidding me? Like, 
oh my god <laughs> like i just having to like go toe-to-toe with this guy who all he wants to do is just absolutely kick your ass all over the field it's like an exhibition game where like matthews is throwing like shots between his legs and i'm out there like literally in like a ufc cage match for 80 minutes like right. it's it's just a different position man it, it absolutely is so i i uh I got a lot of respect for, for you as well because it's uh, – I don't think a lot of people get it, man. No, man, you know, it's mutual. Of course, you know, a lot of people don't understand it. So speaking of, you know, like face-offs, how, how did you get into facing off and, and obviously turn into an amazing career? But what got you there? Oh, thanks. Well, I, I wish I would have got into it a little bit more. I don't think I would have been a, 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 as erased from the from the DU record books like you put. I, I've never been. I've never been like. It was like a control alt delete. Like it was like a full shutdown uh, after you came to DU and just absolutely, you know, wiped me from uh, from from recognition. But um, I got to Denver and I, I wasn't like I didn't know how to play field lacrosse. Like Brownie, it was actually a funny story. Like Coach. Coach Brown, um, you know, his dad is really responsible for me getting to Denver. Um, I had just been drafted uh, to the NLL for Vancouver. I was playing hockey. And um, I, uh, I, I just wrote Jamie Monroe an email and said, hey, I'd love to come play hockey and lacrosse. And, and Terry Brown, Matt's father, put in a really good word for me with, uh, with Denver and, and Coach, Coach Monroe. And, um, and we, uh, uh, we ended up, uh, you know, going down there and, and I came in in the spring and, and the only guy facing off really at the time was Scott Davidson. And I, I wanted to get on the field. I wasn't, you know, I was trying to figure the game out still. I hadn't played a lot of like my first ever like really competitive game was, uh, was against um, uh, Duke in, in the, the, the Pioneer Classic. Um, and, and that was, you know, I hadn't really played like a competitive game before. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been, it, it, you know, a wild sort of ride, but I needed to do something else to get on the field. Like, uh, you know, back in, in, in Canada, I, you know, to earn your stripes with your team, you just drop the gloves and take your helmet off and, and deal with problems on the floor. You can't do that in the NCAA. So I had to find a, a different sort of pugilistic environment to, to step into the lineup. So it just, it was one of those things that just worked out and I got good at it. And Scott and I were, you know, very similar personalities. Um, you know, we locked horns a lot and it got really competitive and, and that's how it kind of took off for me was I really, I'd taken under, I think my junior year, I took under a hundred face-offs and then my senior year, I took all of them. So Scott was a senior. I played behind Scott for my freshman, sophomore, junior year. And then my senior year was when it sort of took off for me. I just dug into the position a whole lot more. Wow. Wow. I didn't even, I didn't even really realize that, you know, and I know you're making jokes about record books, but think about if you took every rep for four years, you know, it's actually, <laughs> apples to oranges, you know, apples to oranges. Because so, I was, you know, freshman year, I was coming in, I think it, I took like maybe like 300 face-offs that year. And, and you know, you could, I mean, you kind of said it, like you got to just take them to really get that experience, you know, and especially in the game. Um, so for you to be able to, you know, come in and uh, a junior year only have a hundred face-offs under your belt and, and then just tear it up the way you did. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I appreciate it. It's, it's funny. I remember uh, Jordan Hall, I was chasing Alex Smith at that point in time. We had the best face-off percentage, and he finished with 68.5, and I finished with 68.4 on the year. And, uh, and, and I remember it was hilarious because Jordan Hall, him and – so Jordan is a great friend of mine, obviously, but in Team Canada. 
had a great pro career, played at the University of Delaware with Alex. Right. And I remember him like talking with Alex because we were, we were, you know, we weren't, we were buddies at the time, but we had played against each other. We knew each other. And Alex was like, you need to get these ground balls. You need to get these ground balls. And I think he like picked up two ground balls in like the final game that like got Alex like his 68.5 over his 68.4 and, and wow. stuffed me. So yeah, Jordan thinks it's hilarious. Halsey. <laughs> Typical Halsey. Yeah. Obviously, right. Halsey, you know, obviously we played with each other on the wings. My, That's right. Um, you know, talk, you're a great guy, great guy. Um, and speaking of the wakes, that's where you got drafted. Yeah. That's where you got drafted. You know? Oh, Same man. What so, a time. Uh, what year was that? Uh, uh, I would have played, I got drafted in the fall of 2006. So my first year, my first year in Philly was 2007. And I played four seasons in Philly and then came to Calgary from 2011 to 2015 and played my five here. Right. Um, but yeah, man, what a city. I, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I loved it there. They, they I, I really fit in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> the great city, right? The great city. Absolutely. No, man, it, it, I, it's my favorite U S city. Philadelphia is by, by far my favorite U S city. I, um, you know, Denver was great to me. It was, it was just like home, but Philadelphia was so unique and, and man, they, uh, they liked the way that I played lacrosse. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's amazing. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget it. We were there, um, and uh, uh, we came back. I, I, I'd just been traded to Calgary, and I got the first year we didn't go back, and then the second year I had a concussion and I couldn't go, so I didn't get to go to Philly until my third year back. And I remember I scored. I won the faceoff, scored like six seconds into the game, and then ended up having like a hat trick in Philly. It was like whatever it was. It was like three. It was like I had three and two or something like that we won and like there was a bunch of fans like, like we were like i was like spraying fans with water and doing all sorts of stupid stuff yeah. and i'll never forget we were walking off it was brody had, i had scored an empty net goal for like a hat trick and brody like let me have it so brody merrill and i always have kind of an ongoing joke about how he's never seen an empty net he didn't fall in love with and because he gets all brody gets all hurt when you score empty net goals on his team he thinks it's like classless but he'll go down the other end and bury an empty net goal all the time so um, he was giving me a hard time and there was some fan who had like a Snyder jersey on and like Philly fans are so passionate and they just care so much. I remember looking at this guy who was yelling at me and he like turned around and like pointed at his back of his jersey and then like looked at me, took it off his body, threw it on the ground, dumped his beer on it, spit on it and stomped on his jersey, kicked it down the stairs and walked out of the building. And all of the guys, we were like, oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> yeah. They're passionate people, man. They're passionate people there. He didn't like it that we, uh, we put the boots to, to Philly that hard that, uh, that run. So, yeah, they're, uh, it, it's an interesting crowd. So I'm sure there's some people there that, that might still rock a Snyder jersey from time to time. But No, there are. Aside from that. Not <laughs> I see you know, they come to the games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's so good. So good. Yeah. But that, that's hilarious, man. I mean, you know, talk about, you know, I, I think that's funny. Like you said, like the empty net and, and, you know, when I think about your, your style of play and just you on the field, it's just like an ultimate competitor, you know, and, and, you know, now hearing that, you know, you started, you didn't even know you were going to play lacrosse in college, you know, it was kind of a last minute thing making this decision and, you know, you growing up playing hockey and, and things like that. Was that competitive nature something that was just innate in you when you were younger, or is that something that you built through sports or 
or, or what? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that you talk about that because we were chatting about it the other day. And the reason why it came up, that was most re- recently at my brother's wedding. And um, they did like the, the everybody kind of came to the wedding and, and we did this like four, there was out in Fernie, British Columbia, which is like a mountain town um, in, uh, in, in BC. And, uh, you know, hold, you know, I got coach, coach Ray, coach Taylor Ray has called me like six times here while we're on this yeah. call. So yeah. I'm no, telling him, no, I'm not taking the call. I'm telling him to beat it. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I, uh, I, I end up, uh, we end up going to this wedding and, um, uh, we, uh, we have this like forest Olympics is mountain town stuff. And, and all of our families are there and they're doing this, like we prepare us up into teams and like my mom gets like super competitive to the point where she's like racing where you kind of go through these stations. So you like manage these stations and like, you kind of race through them. So when you complete one station, you go to the next station, you go to the next station. And so she's like racing and my little cousins are on the team that she's racing against. So like, I don't know, 10 years old. And my mom is like ultra competitive. And, and so she finally gets this last station and the mother of these two kids comes up and like, there's like an egg carry. She comes up and like swats her egg out of her hands. And my mom gets all butthurt about it because she's going to lose right, right, to, right, these, right. to these toddlers. Okay. Like I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was waiting for her to like, you remember like Will Ferrell and I, I forget what movie he is, but he's in like the beanbag race or he's in the potato sack race. Yeah. And yeah he's like yeah. pushing kids over and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. to win. Like was it my mom was about, she was about to do that. She was literally about to push over like a six-year-old to like win the forest Olympics. And, oh. and I remember like, I remember being like, mom, like, like you gotta relax. And she's like, she sat down and she was like, when, when you kids were growing up, we never let you win. Like was like pissed, <laughs> super pissed. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's innate in people, but I think if you foster it, it's a little bit different. Like, I don't think you can, I think you're kind of, you know, I, I don't have kids. I'm sure, you know, when I do, I'll probably have a bit of a, a, a rude awakening with some of this stuff, but <laughs> I, I think you're born with a competitive spirit and then it's kind of fostered. Like if you have it or you don't, you either like, you either rise to the occasion or you like crawl into your turtle shell if you're pushed. And right. so a big thing for me, I think was, was, um, individual sports. So I was a nationally ranked squash player, uh, prior to, I was up until U14 and, uh, I remember the reason why I had to retire was because I broke so many rackets over my knee and oh. uh, cause I'd lose, I'd lose and I'd snap a racket. And my parents were like, Hey man, if you break one more racket, like you're, we're not buying you any more rackets. You're, you're done. Like you're, you're going to have to find, get a job to buy your own squash rackets. I remember I lost, I, there was this guy, I'll never forget his name. This guy, Lee Chernick. I don't even know where Lee is right now, but I could never beat this guy. <laughs> I lose to this guy every time in the finals. I just could not beat this guy. And I remember this tournament, my parents, like, it was like after the talk and they, uh, they, I was on the court. I remember like looking straight at my dad, like straight in the face and taking my knee, like after I lost to this guy, looking at him, like just staring at him, just furious, took my racket and just snapped it over my knee, came out, threw it in the garbage and just walked into the locker room. And that's the last time I played squash. Oh man. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was bad. So I, I think that there's like components of your like upbringing or like your sporting career or like whatever it may be that sort of fosters that competitive spirit. So, you know, for me, I, you know, I love to win and uh, you know, I did a lot of stuff. I, I, I kind of embraced playing the role of doing all the other things that guys didn't want to do. And that kind of circles back to Denver and facing off. It just like, 
it, 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 it just became something that guys didn't want to do. They gave me an opportunity to get in the lineup. And then it got fostered by, you know, Jamie Monroe really pitting Scott Davidson and I against each other. And, um, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I still kept in touch with Scott, but we don't keep in touch anymore. Like that's how competitive it was. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so to answer your question in somewhat of a long winded manner is yeah, it's, it's a bit innate, I think, but in the same breath, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, um, that, you know, you have to foster it in the right competitive environment and then it can really take off. So I think you either got it or you don't, you're hardwired a certain way, but then it also, it's environmentally based with how that gets dragged out of you. Right. And, and, and like you said, rising to that occasion, that's something, that, that's something that I've learned from, from your game. I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, uh, 2015 play I'm a freshman at Denver and it was a first round game. We're playing at Denver. We played Brown and we, we waxed them. Like we, we beat them pretty bad, but I did not face off well that day. And it was like the first game that season, I did have a good game and, obviously first round of the tournament I'm a freshman I'm kind of like in my shell a little bit like oh man like uh I got exposed you know and this is really when it matters and you were at the game and you're at the post-game tailgate and uh you know all the parents are there were eating and everybody's happy because we won and I'm you know I'm obviously pumped and happy we're going on but at the same time I'm a little stressed because I'm like oh like I didn't play my best yeah, I think you like yelled out like "Don't be so soft next time" or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> to be like across Trevor, the Trevor, you're you're man, you are you're downplaying this because of the podcast. I, I can't I can't say exactly I, what you said on the podcast. I can't say exactly no. what you said. I but. knew where this is. I knew where this is going right when you right when you started it, man. But I uh, yeah, I remember that very vividly. I also remember going away from that being like. You're such an idiot. Shut your mouth. He's like the nicest guy in the world. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I remember no. feeling like so dumb. I remember your parents looking at me like I was like just a Neanderthal. And I, I just feel <laughs> I remember feeling so much, so much shame around that moment. Oh man. No, so thanks no, for no, bringing no. that up. That's, that's not why I bring up. Like, I don't think like there should be shame at all because you know, you know, like I think I didn't take it like all like personally. You know, it wasn't like a personal thing for me. It was like. I was like, you know what? He's right. Like, I gotta, like, I gotta <laughs> step it up. You know, like, I gotta get going. And you know, when you're a fr- especially when you're a freshman, you're a young kid uh, playing at this high level. You're thinking like something like that can take you out of your zone. It'll, it won't let you rise to that occasion of that competitive nature. You know, so it was great. Like, I appreciated it. I appreciate it. I was. Uh, like, that's that's good enough. Man. It's been haunting me. It's been haunting me. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, man. It was, it was great. I was like. I was like, he's right, you know, like, great. <laughs> and then I went to practice that week. I, and then I just stopped being so soft. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to power through this. I'm going to will I love it. it. I'm going to will it, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that's what happened. And then we had to win a championship. We had to win a championship. Uh, it means the world to me, man. It means the world to me to play a small part in that, ride those coattails a little bit. It's funny, <laughs> you, you, you you say that, man. You're like you're like kryptonite for me, just because I, I like you so much, and you're such a nice person, and you're such a hard competitor. Like I, it's hard to like, like I, I used to like just hate people, and that's what that's what like made me like when I got mad, I got really competitive. I just started not caring, and and like I just started competing, and 
and you just you never gave that to me you never gave me like anything that like it just Trevor's just like the nicest guy in the world and he's so competitive it's like you were you were just kryptonite man you were kryptonite <laughs> for me no, <laughs> so I, respectful so polite so polished good yeah. guy in the community yeah he just you just took the wind right out of my sails, man. From a competitive, from a competitive side, just absolute kryptonite. Yeah, you're like, talk, come on, like, say something, be back to me. Uh, <laughs> say yeah. say it back. I know he wants you. I know he wants to say it back. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I remember. Play. That. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, very deep. First, when we played Canada, first game, we're lining up, and you're just staring at me. I'm literally pissing my pants. I'm freaking out. You're staring at me, and I'm just like. I just can't look away. If I look away, he's going to get me. He's going to know. He's going to be all Bobby Bones. I'm staring back at him. I can't look away. I can't look away. Meanwhile, I'm like, this guy might jump across this line and actually, and actually beat me up. Oh, man. You didn't give me any reason. I was, I was searching for something. I, you know, I needed something just to give me, like, you know, to give these old bones a little boost energy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That's too good. We're gonna have to edit this. Oh man, <laughs> I went down the wrong pipe. I was laughing while I was drinking. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, no, it's great. It's great, man. Um, so, but let's let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit. So, obviously, um, amazing playing career, DU indoor, outdoor professionally. We obviously didn't talk too much about the MLL, but, you know, playing great there as well. Then you said, like, obviously through your playing career, you moved back to Calgary and you're still there now. How was that shift? Like how, obviously you said you loved Philly. That was your uh, best favorite city in America. Going back home, is that something that you're excited about? Something just need to happen? Was it more around the trade? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I love playing in Philadelphia. Like, I, I remember Brad Bannister would always joke around. He was the GM and the owner at the time of the Roughnecks, and he would always joke around, like, oh, we're going to trade for you. We're going to trade for you. And I was like, okay, sure. And then I remember I was in my car one day. It was, like, uh, the 2010 season. It was, like, June of, of 2010 going into the 2011 season. And he's like, we traded for you. And I was like, okay, Brad, sure, he traded for me. He's like, and then, like, like literally, like, 10 seconds later, I got, like, a text. And it was right after the uh, the World Championships in uh, sorry it would have been uh, would have been July or August it was right after the World Championships in in Manchester, and I got a text message that said they dealt me to to Calgary and I was like oh okay um, and I was stoked about it I you know I've always wanted to play in Calgary it's my hometown I wanted to you know to get involved in the community here and, and it was kind of I kind of felt like when I was back in Calgary I was always kind of on the outside looking in on what was going on here just because I was playing elsewhere so it was great. Um, you know, with respect to my career here, I, I, I probably could have, you know, I retired in, from the NLL in 2015 right. and then came back and played in 2018. Right. So I could have played those other couple of years. It, you know, a bit of a falling out in Calgary, which is okay. It, it happens in terms of how, um, you know, your career. I think, I think we all think that we're going to, you know, ride out on a chariot into the sunset, right? Like that's what every pro athlete thinks. And we're going to have a bronze statue in front of the stadium. And like, you know, you kind of think that way when you're at, you know, when you're, you're playing at the top level, but it doesn't work like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so um, I, uh, yeah, I wanted to retire at home. So I, I, you know, there was other teams I could have gone and played for and I just didn't, uh, I didn't want to go anywhere else. I wanted to retire in Calgary and, and stay a part of it here. And, and now it's been, you know, a good decision. I think what put a nail in the coffin for that for me was um, they, I, I was kind of waiting for them to get into their season. And I was like, well, these guys are going to get into their season. I'm going to hold out. They're going to give me a call back. And then they went and signed my brother. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I was like, 
I was like, ah, oh, man, Bobby, Bobby can play in Calgary. I'm done. Like he, you know, it's his turn. It'll be good for us. It'll be good for our name and the community. And, and it, it ultimately was. And Bobby, you know, finished, uh, finished here in Calgary and then went to Vancouver and, and, um, he was a big part of the lacrosse community here too. So it worked out really well for just us and, and, um, you know, just our, our name here in the city of Calgary, just trying to build the sport of lacrosse kind of as a whole. And, and so it's been good. And, um, yeah, I, I love it here. You know, I'm a big into the mountains and doing a ton of skiing and getting out and, and getting into backcountry stuff now and, and biking and, you know, what I'm doing, doing all sorts of uh, stuff like that here in the city. So the transition was, was really smooth. Uh, you'd love Calgary, man. Well, you've been obviously been here before, but um, it's just, it's just like Denver. It's, it's like Denver and, and just a little bit, a little bit closer to the mountains that Denver is. But aside from that, it's, uh, it's awesome, man. So happy to be home. Yeah, no, I, it, you're right, man. I love Calgary. I remember I went out there, what was it, 2018, 2019 season? I was like, I love it out here. Like, it's just such a great vibe, you know, around the city. And it's a lot of cool stuff going around close to the mountains, obviously. But, um, but you know, don't want to get too much off topic there. But, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like the lacrosse community in Calgary, you know, it's something that, that you've kind of helped build from, you know, the ground up, you know, and, and elevate and, and, and all that. How, how's all that been? And, and more importantly, how has it been on the other side now working with players and you've had such a successful career has played longer than so many professional lacrosse players now being on that other side, how does that feel? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it was a pretty, a pretty seamless transition. We had, we had started Elevate in 2007. Um, and then, you know, obviously the company was around for eight years. Um, so we had, it was, it was in the back pocket and the easy transition to come out of pro and, and, and step into that role. Um, you know, when I came out, I was, I, I, I had retired and then I ruptured my Achilles, um, you know, in February of 2016. So I was like laid up, you know, uh, not walking, rolling around on an e-scooter um, and, uh, and, and just focusing on kind of getting the business to a, a different place. But the biggest thing for me is I, I really just appreciate it. I really find it rewarding, um, you know, helping facilitate, uh, you know, working with kids in the recruiting process and, and getting, you know, being a small part of the, you know, the equation and getting them to school and enjoying that experience. I think, you know, I'd say it to parents all the time, like if I could go back and pick like one period of, of time in my life that I could spend like the rest of my life in, it would be um, that junior year at DU, like where you're not, you know, you're, you're not, you're not on the way out, but you're not, you know, an underclassman and, and you're having a great time enjoying your, um, your time and, and doing your things. And, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed that period of time. You don't have to worry about a lot. You're playing sports, you're having a good time, you're getting educated. And, and so for me, uh, you know, what I really enjoy is just being able to, to help facilitate that for kids. Um, it's interesting because we, we really cater to the highest common denominator, not the lowest with respect to how we run our program. So, you know, talking about compete level and all that stuff, like it's the, the world's changing. Kids are changing. Um, you know, the, the, the access to information is extreme for these kids. They can, you know, mom and dad get asked last, you know, Google gets asked first nowadays with respect to, to questions or topics. So for us, we're trying to, you know, sort of bring everybody up to the standard that we think high level lacrosse is and cater to the top level players. Cause we have kids that are division one, division two, division three, Canadian lacrosse players, you know, MCLA players. We've got kids that are kind of going all over the place. Um, and it's really catered to that top level. So we take a lot of pride in, in, you know, sort of pushing our sports ideology 
out into the community. And that's what we really enjoy. That's what keeps us kind of young and, and competitive is just, you know, passing along our, uh, our perspective to, to kids and it, that perspective being, you know, what was the highest level of a sport in the world. We really try to, you know, get kids to come up a, another notch in their level and really start to think that way. And it's more community-based and school-based than it is really lacrosse field-based. Um, you know, we want, we, we talk about character, culture, and compete all the time in our program. And, and uh, that's a big thing of, of what we're trying to help these kids understand just so that, you know, sure, they can get and go, go and play University of Lacrosse and go get an education, but ultimately set them up for success, you know, in the community and outside of, of the lacrosse world when, when they're done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. And, you know, you're really not elevating. I don't mean to be so <laughs> elevating, you know, it's kids lives, you know, like that's, that's life, you know, it's not just like, that goes beyond sports. Um, you know, I, you know, coach T would always say, you know, how you do, how you do everything is how you do everything, you know? So, you know, that culture, that character, building them up to, to be great individuals as well as players. It's always something that that's pretty sweet and, and to drive that competitive nature, you know, competitiveness is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, well, I, I, even in sports now, like look at like Simone Biles, like just recently at the Olympics, like, you know, I, I have a friend here who's a gymnast and I think, you know, you kind of look at these people that are at this pinnacle of the sport and, you know, her talking about her mental health, like, I, I went and asked my friend, Jana, who uh, trains, uh, like they have kids that they're training to go to the Olympics. Um, they have, you know, they run a club program here and their kids go and participate on the Canadian team. And, and I was like, what's the deal with this? Like, fill me in. And she was like, yeah, like, imagine like, like, imagine like being a swimmer. Like if you're a swimmer and you don't feel comfortable swimming, like you're not going to drown. Like you're going to get out of the pool. Like you're not, you, you know, you're not, it's not like you're not going to survive. Like, can you imagine, like, first of all, Simone's doing stuff that, like, like women aren't doing, right. number one, right? And, like, there's an element of danger that if she, like, screws up, she's going to, like, break her neck and never going to walk again, right. <laughs> right? So, like, I think people really came at her about, like, that vulnerability. And, and like, you look at, like, how she kind of rose out of that from an adversity perspective. Like, I, I think that that's something that is really sort of taken for granted now in sports is that we always put the success on the pedestal, but you never really pay attention to like the failures that got these people to these places. Right. And, and so that's what we're trying to create in our environment is just this level of controlled adversity where you get to lean on sport as your safety net rather than like, you know, rather than like getting cut from a team and having to like figure it out on your own and bounce back. We try and create adversity in our environment to help educate these kids so that they, they do that in a safe place where, they they there's trust there's you know there's confidence like we and we hold the team accountable collectively and then we you know we move forward in that regard uh to help develop these kids long term so that's kind of the idea behind uh behind what we're doing with the program and i think people really take that for granted nowadays is that they're missing the um uh, you know they, they don't really pay attention to the adversity that's correlated to like the success of these people long term right. they just see the success and just think that it came about it naturally right, right? so a big part of what we're trying to do is trying to create that environment so we're actually creating better student athletes rather than just like hoping they become them on their own um yeah so that's that's the idea of what we're doing out here right and i know this is this might be you know possible to answer but what do you like what would you say the the biggest key attributes were that that you like to teach in that you know i know you said like the three c's but 
you know, like from your perspective, what really set yourself apart from everybody else to have so much success in college and pro and internationally, you know? And I think it's, I think it's attention to detail really. Um, you know, I remember I, I took a lot of pride in like being, you know, when coach sent out an email to be the first guy to like respond or, you know, like when you get told something at practice, like I, I believe me, I learned this the hard way. Like if the coach stops a practice and like tells you to do something, like you do that thing the exact way that he told you to do it, like the next rep, like don't like wait for like six more reps, <laughs> you know, like I found out the hard way on that stuff. Um, so <laughs> I, I think it's like, it's details and like, honestly, like if you ever, like I think a lot of people try to take stuff off of their plates, like stresses are, are, are important. And so for us, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a level of communication, a level of trust um, you know, the, the big thing I used to really hate going to practice and like leaving practice, like unsure of where I stood. So like, if you get held accountable at practice, like we never let kids go away from practice thinking they've done something wrong or like not communicating about what they've been held accountable about or like, so that really like used to rot me a lot is like, am I good? Like, am I, am I okay? Like, not am I good, like as a player, but like, am I good in terms of like, like where I'm at with the coach or with the team or, you know, like that, I, like anxiety builds up a lot. But I think that the biggest thing is just controlling the details and, and controlling what you can control. Um, and you can control your attitude. You can control your work ethic. You can control your equipment and how your equipment performs. Um, you know, you can't control as much as I'd like to think you can control the referees. I'm sure coach Brownie or coach Brown and coach Tierney think they can control the referees too, but you know, they're out of your control. You know, the playing surface is out of your control. The weather is out of your control. So really like focusing your energy on the things that you can take care of and then incorporating your attention to detail into that environment, I think is what, you know, ultimately has made me pretty OCD with a lot of things in my life. But in the same, in the same breath, I think as an athlete, you know, if you can focus your energy on the things that you can control and, and stop paying attention to the things that you can't, uh, you really free up a lot of, uh, a lot of energy that, that I don't think you really tapped into before. And a lot of people spend a lot of time focusing on things that are just completely out of their, out of their, you know, out of their stratosphere. And it, and it requires a lot of energy to do so. Right. Yeah, no, I, I love that. You really hit that on the head, especially when you're talking about, you know, kids going through, you know, the recruiting journey and, and all that, you know, they, a lot of times there's a lot of things that you can't control, you know, but the other thing you can, you can't control is what you do, the effort you put out. And, you know, is, you know, is this coach going to see you on this day? You know, maybe, maybe not, you know, hopefully. Yeah. But um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be putting your best foot forward, you know? Yeah, I agree. Your best foot forward, man. But, uh, but, oh, man, this was great. This was great catching up. <laughs> uh, yeah. We might have to do this again. We might have to do, uh, we might have to do <laughs> another podcast, maybe not the Pio Fever podcast, maybe a different one. Uh, hey, man, anytime. Yeah, and then we could really get into the nitty gritty, you know. We could, we could, uh, we could, we could really talk. We could really talk and talk it, you know. <laughs> we could really talk and talk. It. I feel it. Yeah, we want to. We want to make sure that number one, this podcast gets aired, and two, uh, <laughs> no, one loses, no one loses their job. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. We don't. We do not need that. Or you know, you know, it ends up being just a five minute episode because forty minutes got edited out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> 
it's so good. Man. Well, listen, I, I hope I get to see you when I get to town, Trev. I'm, I'm pumped to come into the event at DU. Um, you know, obviously, uh, very honored about that, and and hopefully we can uh, we can get out and and uh, have a you know a a, a nice refreshing soda that's not alcoholic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that'd be great. That'd be great. You're coming out for the alumni weekend. I'll be out there on the 14th. Yeah, I got some work to do um, downtown Denver uh, Thursday, Friday, and then I'll be going out Friday night to the event. And then we're going to go check out the hockey game uh, with my old man. Um, and we should you should share that post. It's hilarious. I don't think anybody like uh, anybody's seen that. But there's a there's an awesome photo of uh, of our dads in Israel yeah. together. And, and like and, and we had no I hope I hope Brownie can put that on the uh, uh, when he, when you edit this can put it up on the, on the screen and show everybody. But a hilarious story about this is that like our, we're all, our parents are staying at the hotel. We're staying at the hotel. And like my dad, like tracked down your dad, like, I think to get a photo with him, they ran in sort of inconsequentially together. And right. my dad's like big into his camera. It's so embarrassing when he'd like snap, <laughs> he's snapping pictures. And he said this to me and it's a great photo of my dad and your dad together in Israel. It's hilarious. So hopefully Brownie can, Brownie can put that out. But we really hadn't talked a lot at that point in time. So it's super funny. Right. Man. right. No, I got the, I got that picture saved. I'll save it. I'll, I'll put us in a group chat, set it in right after this. Right after oh, I love it. That was a really good fake, man. My dad was and my dad was cheesing so hard. Do you see how happy he looked at the picture? He was like cheesing. I like <laughs> he was cheesing. He was loving it. He was loving it. Oh, it's so good, man. It's so good. It's one of my favorite shots. It's it's super great, man. I was pumped our parents got to meet each other and uh and just in the kind of the heat of everything that's going on with that too. It's super, super stressful environment. I get you know how that whole tournament went and and uh Everything about it, man. So that's uh, that's one of my favorite shots. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, man. Likewise, man. Likewise. 100%. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, man. But yo, thanks for hopping on. This was amazing. You know, top pio fever episode <laughs> ever. You know, and uh, I'm excited to do it again, man. Do it again. Right on. Anytime, man. I, uh, I I'm I'm loving watching your career, your success. You're you're hitting this sport right at. Uh, right at the right time. So it's, uh, it's always a pleasure Trev. And if there's any, you know, we should, we should sit down and, uh, and see if we can, uh, if I could ever pass along any tips or anything like that to you, to help you out, you know, at least maybe at least, yeah, at least tell you how to tie your Jersey down and like put Vaseline on your, on your eyebrows, put tinfoil on your knuckles. I'm happy to, I'm happy to do that for you, man. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to learn. uh, Yeah. We're going to have to get some (laughs) more because especially for those indoor games, you know, you know, one of the best ever do it right here. You're, you're, you know, I, I, if I get in a fight, hopefully NLO guys aren't listening to this. I don't know if I'd be able to hold hey, my well. that one. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll take care of now. We'll get you set up. Yeah. You know, a little duck and weave. Thanks again, man. Thanks for everybody for tuning awesome, in. Episode eight, Power Fever podcast. See you next time.